we in America go about trying to figure out God's will in such a way that we end up feeling like it's completely random, makes no sense, and that God's out to get us. And I'm hoping through this series that you'll see there's not anything random about God, that God actually wears a white hat instead of a black hat, and that you can make good decisions in life. It's actually possible, right? So that's where we're going. But I, I wanted you to have a little cootie catcher takeaway. So now you have something that you, hopefully you will not use to make decisions. Although it would be cool to go to the car dealership. Wait a minute. I need to figure out if I should be considering this. One, two, three, four, five. Lift the flap. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Can't buy the Sienna today. <laughs> okay. 80 to 100 years ago, 80 to 100 years ago, here's how life worked in America. You grew up and lived exactly where you were born. You didn't go far. You didn't go far at all. You grew up and lived where you were born. You did what your mom or dad did. If dad was a farmer, guess what? You're a farmer. It's not like you grew up with angst. I don't know. Should I go to NASA? Should I go to college? What should I do? I don't know what to do. Nope. They didn't worry about that. You just did what your dad did. You did what your mom did. Um, most truly old people that I know, and I'm thinking of my grandmother's age, the, the people who lived through the Great Depression, they actually started working when they were teenagers. And they usually didn't do anything else except what they started off doing as teenagers. And they did it for like... 50 years. Some of you are looking at that like, no! Okay. Um, you also, 80 to 100 years ago, married one of 12 or so non-related eligible young people that were in your community. I emphasize the non-related part, okay? You married one of 12 or so non-related young people in your town. Today, Today, life is not like that at all. Today, we have all kinds of angst. Should I go to college? Should I not go to college? What should I do? I don't know what should I should do. And then, if you go to college, which college? I mean, there's Taylor, but then there's Asbury. But then I could go to Kentucky, or I could go to Kentucky Christian. I don't know. Lord, help me. Cootie catcher, one, two, three, four, five. Okay? Um, and there's angst about that. There's angst about what to major in. There's angst about your career. And now you've got experts saying, oh, you won't just have one career. You'll have 10 over the course of your life. Ah, 10? I can't go from being a doctor to being an auto mechanic. What are you talking about? Okay? Um, then there's the issues of, should I date at home or should I wait until I go off to school? Will the pool be better there? I mean, will, you know, should I, should I date Jeff or should I date Chris? Which one? Oh, I don't know. And, and so there's all this kind of angst. It's, it's a very eerily similar to standing in that aisle at Walmart or Target and staring down 25 coffee makers. And you're looking at each one and you're literally paralyzed. Why? Because there's 25 coffee makers. Wouldn't it be easier if there were just two? One with an on-off button, one that was programmable. You could go home with a coffee maker right away, but no, there's 25. Do I want to have the grounds? Do I, you know, will this coffee maker last past 80 brews? Uh, and so we get paralyzed. We become indecisive. We become timid. We become insecure because we have so many options. And I think in part we're indecisive when it comes to the big decisions in life because of the metaphors that we use to talk about life. We talk about life as this puzzle that we're putting together. 
Well, with a puzzle, there's only one way to put it together. And if you put it together wrong, it's not a puzzle anymore. It's, you know, a mess or a roadmap. How many times have you heard people talk about life as a roadmap? You're getting, you're going somewhere. And wherever you're going, let's say it's Toledo, there's only like a handful of ways to get there. And then if you take a wrong turn, you end up in Albuquerque, just like Bugs Bunny, and it's bad, okay? So we want to get to the right place. We, we worry that we're going to mess up the puzzle. We worry that we're going to end up in the wrong destination. And, and uh, it, it creates a lot of angst for the average person in America because there's so many choices. After all, at the end of the day, maybe we should have married Jeff and not Chris. Maybe we should have majored in biology, not business. <clears throat> Anxiety. And so we pull out the God card. The Lord told me. God nudged me to, I really feel like the Spirit is leading me, dot, dot, dot. At Wheaton College, God ended so many boyfriend-girlfriend relationships, it wasn't even funny. I'll just tell you about Don and Kitty. Kitty was one of these vineyard, on her knees, pray all the time, holy women. And Don was smitten by her. And they kind of became a thing. Until the moment when Kitty went to Don and said, Don, the Lord told me no. I know. I mean, poor Don. It's not like, I mean, she could have said, I'm not interested in you anymore. I don't think, you know, this is working. Quit stalking me. I mean, she could have used any number of things, but no, she brought in the God card. The Lord told me no. So poor Don, not only is he rejected by his girlfriend, but he's rejected by the Holy Spirit of God who took time out of pointing people to Jesus to tell Kitty, not him, okay? Oh, what a terrible thing to bear in life. Don was in counseling for a long time. So what does it mean exactly to be led by the Spirit or guided by God? And today, I want to introduce to you a metaphor to talk about that. And it's a metaphor that's right out of the Bible. And we find it in John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And it is the metaphor of the good shepherd. All right? This particular teaching of Jesus was given at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of Hanukkah. And... During the festival of Hanukkah, priests would go to Ezekiel chapter 34 and evaluate their own service in light of what they read in Ezekiel 34. And so that's kind of the root stuff for what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 10. And this is what he says, 10 verse 1. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. There's good news. The sheep recognize the shepherd's voice. Sheep know, ah, 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 that's the shepherd. Ah, ah, that's not the shepherd. That's not the shepherd. That's not the shepherd. Most definitely not the shepherd. Eh, shepherd. Sheep recognize the shepherd's voice. All right? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Uh, shepherds, uh, by the way, shepherds lead a flock. The flock's following behind. Here, sheep, sheep, sheep. You know, they do weird. I can't do it because I'm not a Middle Eastern Palestinian shepherd. But they whistle. They have songs that they sing. 
they talk to the sheep, but they're leading the sheep, and that's how shepherds do it. The sheep follow along behind. Kind of like at the village. If you've ever been to the Jesuit Early Learning Village, and you see all these little munchkin kids, there'll be a teacher or assistant in front, and they sing songs. L-I-B-C-D-F-G, like a... You know, I don't know their songs. I don't... Okay? And the kids are all, you know, trying not to look at all the other cool stuff, and they have a tendency to kind of take a wrong turn and get lost. Sometimes they'll chain them to a rope as they're walking through the hallway, but they all follow the big friend, the shepherd. And the shepherd is singing and leading them along the way, okay? So that's kind of the imagery here. After he has gathered, verse 4, his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they uh, know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from the stranger because they don't know his voice. I tell you the truth, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They'll come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to still steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Every time that God speaks, God leads in the Bible, it's clear. If you read from Genesis to Revelation, you never find a biblical character going, wait a minute, wait a minute, Psst. Did, you, did you get that? What did God say? I didn't hear. Could you repeat that again? Oh, hey, wait, God missed it. Come on, come back, come back. Never happens, not once. Now, biblical characters will wrestle with what to do about what God says, and they'll have all kinds, uh, I don't think that's a good idea, I'm not the right person, this isn't the right time, you're mistaken, all those kind of things come into play. But never is it a, uh, could you say that again, please? I'm not really sure. And for those of you that are really smart and want to bring up Gideon, that was simply unfaithfulness on his part, because he knew what God told him to do. It was kind of like, well, did you really say that? I mean, I can't listen. I don't, because really the issue is he didn't want to do it. Okay, right? So every time God speaks in the Bible, it's clear and unmistakable what he's saying. Okay, so hang with me. Uh, good pastures is where a shepherd leads his sheep, and he, a, a good shepherd protects the sheep from things that are really going to harm them. And like I said, this passage is actually rooted in another passage. And if you want, you can flip to Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel 34, this is what it says. And this is a prophecy from a long time ago. Then a message came to me from the Lord, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, you wear the wool, and you butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick. You've not bound up the injured. You've not gone out looking for those who wandered away and lost. Instead, you've ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they're easy prey for any wild animal. You and I look at that passage and we go, man. Those are bad shepherds doing that kind of stuff. Isn't God a good shepherd? Wouldn't you say today, isn't God a good shepherd? Most of us go, yes, God's a good shepherd. And God himself kind of stakes out that claim in Ezekiel 34. This is what God says. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them. 
from all the places where they will be scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains. I will give them good pasture land on the high hills. They'll lie down in pleasant places and feed in lush pastures. I myself will tend my sheep. I will search for my lost ones. I will bring them safely home. I will bandage the injured, and I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed my sheep, says the Lord. And so here we have some more imagery. Bad shepherds feed themselves. Bad shepherds neglect the weak. Bad shepherds ignore the lost. Bad shepherds are cruel, but God's not like that. Isn't God awesome? Isn't he wonderful? We go, yeah, that's great. In this metaphor about sheep and shepherds, what role do you and I have? We're what? You don't sound convinced. In this metaphor, if God is the shepherd, we are the what? Ah, there should be some bleeding. (laughs) Oh, much better. Okay. All right. We're the sheep. Are sheep guided by their shepherd? Yes, they are. Where are sheep guided to? How are they guided? Well, boom, Psalm 23. David lays it out clearly. It's the most famous passage in the Bible, except for John, who eclipsed it, right? The Lord is my shepherd, John 3.16. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid because you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. A shepherd provides sheep with a quiet, safe place to eat, drink, and rest. A good shepherd protects sheep from real harm. In this passage of Psalm 23, the good shepherd is also a generous host, laying out a full banquet table, anointing heads with oils. Um, Keller, who's written a book about shepherding in the ancient Near East, Um, says that shepherds of the time period, of David's time period, would have rubbed a mixture of oil, sulfur, and spices on the heads of sheep. What? Yeah, apparently there were nose flies. And so it took care of the nose flies. And the second thing is, I didn't know this, but sheep love to rub their heads up against things, against each other, against fence posts, against rocks. Sheep, Sheep are head rubbers, and it creates scab. And that oil mixture and sulfur would prevent scab from forming on the heads of sheep. Man, shepherds are awesome. All right? Here's a few things to draw out from Psalm 23 as it talks about shepherds and sheep. Remember how I said shepherds lead are in front? If somebody's in behind and driving you, that's what butchers do. So if, some, if you feel driven, huh, 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 Chances are the person behind you is not a good shepherd, but the butcher, and you're being driven to be butchered, okay? So there's a big difference right there. Um, and, but in this relationship, God, the good shepherd, is guiding us, the sheep. And the, uh, the metaphor is that of the shepherd knows where to find food. The shepherd knows how to keep the sheep safe. If you're a sheep, you're completely and utterly dependent on the shepherd. If you get lost, you're in trouble. 
If you get separated from the flock, you're in trouble. You don't necessarily have the good sense to know where to go to eat or drink. And you're very restless. Sheep cannot settle down to rest until they're safe, they're fed. I mean, there's a long list of things. Sheep are very hard to get settled. Um, that's true, trust me. Sheep are very hard to get settled. All right? And this, this key phrase here, he guides me along right paths. This is what J.I. Packer says about it. That one little phrase has this sense. It has the sense of this. It's like someone looking back in retrospect over their life who says, you know what? Every turn, every twist, every decision in retrospect was the right thing for me, for those around me, and for God's glory. In retrospect, God did exactly what he needed to do. It's that kind of confidence. Um, So in light of this metaphor, I want to ask some questions, all right? If God's the shepherd and we're his sheep, and God guides and leads sheep like a good shepherd. If you're wondering, if you have that angst of, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Just breathe in. Breathe out. Okay. What was the last clear thing God told you? Go back to the last clear thing God told you. We have this, I think, mythical belief that God's going to, talk to us specifically every single day about almost every minor decision that we make and which coffee maker we should select off the shelves at Target. But again, the primary metaphors in the Bible are shepherd, God is our heavenly father. And last week we talked about the fact that God, if he's our heavenly father, probably doesn't care whether we live in Toledo or Las Vegas. What he cares more about is who we are and how we're living and how we're treating the people around us. Just like any parent, cares more about their kid, not the specifics of what their kid becomes or job they have or what they do, but who they are, right? And so um, in that metaphor, what's the last clear thing God told you to do? Go back to that and be secure in that and don't fret this other stuff for now. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about some other things that you and I can do to help bring greater clarity and remove fog. But What was the last thing, clear thing God told me to do? You know what I found about my life? My knowledge, my knowledge of what God wants on the whole far exceeds my actual obedience of it. So when I have doubt and question in my mind about which direction to go, I go back to basics and I ask myself, am I the kind of husband that Paul articulates in his letters? Am I the kind of father that I see woven in here. In my primary roles and relationships, am I living like Jesus lived? And I work on that first before fretting out these other things, okay? Um, The second question to ask is this, is what I'm considering in step with his leading and his voice in my life? Is what I'm considering in step with God's leading and voice in my life? And so to kind of wrap wrap this up, so to speak, I want to talk about some animals, okay? So uh, we're talking about God guiding and God leading, and we talked about it in terms of a metaphor of a sheep and shepherd. God's the shepherd, we're sheep. Here's the problem with most of us. We're not sheep. We're cats. Bear with me. You know this difference between dogs and cats, right? You feed a dog, you love a dog, you take a dog for a walk. 
you know, you do all these things for the dog and the dog concludes, oh my goodness, you must be God. You feed a cat, you scratch a cat, you love a cat, you provide what the cat needs. The cat looks at you and says, I must be God. (laughs) The problem is that most of us are cats (laughs) when it comes to our relationship with God. And so we've got this long list of things, right, that we feel would, you know, hey, God, I need this job, or I want this relationship to work, or I I could use another extra 500 a month, or all these different things. And so we kind of approach it from a cat attitude. Um, And isn't it true that a lot of times for a lot of us, uh, the really the big times we're trying to dial in God is, is when things aren't going well. But what about when things are going well? And so I think if we kind of stepped out of our catness and embraced more of a dog sheep mindset where even when things were going well, we kind of knew, you know what? I'm dependent on you. I need you. I need you today. I need you tomorrow. I needed you yesterday. Yep. I don't do good without you, without your leading. I think we'd be much, much better off. Last week we said, if you want guidance, if you want to discern the will of God, you ought to ask the question first, does anything in here have anything to bear with what I'm considering? Today, um, in terms of asking the shepherd to guide you, here's a good prayer to pray to your good shepherd who's wanting to lead you and guide you. Um, I asked my shepherd, would you please deliver me from stupidity, pride, and pigheadedness? In other words, God, I don't want to be a cat. I have these cat-like tendencies. I think the universe revolves around me. I try to order you around and tell you what to do, and I know what's best for my life nine times out of ten, or at least I think I do. God, I don't want to be a cat. Deliver me from stupidity, pride, and pigheadedness. And then secondly, God, give me clarity to discern what course of action will bring about the most good and honor you most fully. What will bring about the most good and honor you most fully? You're making a house decision. There's a good matrix. What will bring about the most good and honor you most fully? Making a relationship decision. What will bring about the most good, honor you most fully? Money decision. What will bring about the most good, honor you most fully? And remember, be a sheep, not a cat. Okay? So there you go. There's a simple bottom line today. Somebody asks you, what did you learn in church? I learned not to be a cat, but to be a sheep.